This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations of people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined by a creative social entrepreneur. I think he's now James Samuel. Yes. Welcome, James. Thank you, Sam. Nice to um, reconnect with for some time. So how has your bubble life been, James? Huh. Um, well, our bubble life was ended a long time ago. Um, I mean, really, we, we did the bubble this time last year, and uh, it was awesome. I mean, we loved it, right? <laughs> I've never seen so many happy, happy people walking the reserve. I, big smiles from ear to ear. Everybody was delighted. Yeah, a few people struggled with it, but in our neighborhood, um, it was well-received and well-appreciated. And, yeah, I think it's... Um, Come on, we live in such a crazy busy time to have everything stop for how many weeks did we do that for? Remind me again. Was it five? I've lost track. Yeah, I, mean, I think it was, it was I think it, it was five. Yeah. Five and then level yeah. three, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah. It's like when did we last when did you last do that? When did you last take that much time to not do all the things that you normally do and have all of your choices suddenly um, just dissipate. The only choice you had to make really was what time you got up in the morning <laughs> and what time you had your coffee, you know? And it, re- and it reduced the commute down to seconds. Yeah, and it was so so quiet. It was incredibly quiet. Yeah. So, yep, that, that was awesome. And, um, and that... Uh, I mean, you know, it had other implications. People um, stopped stop seeking out the kind of services that I was offering at the time, which was around data analysis. Um, that was one of the, the, the kind of the nice-to-haves that um, was no longer top of their list, you know, so everything stopped in that regard, and, and it gave me a chance to think about other things. And, yeah. And, and that's resulted in in that video that you saw yesterday that prompted you to reach out. So, um, yeah. So you're in Nelson right now, but you don't live in Nelson, do you? You live outside Nelson somewhere. We live in Motueka, yeah, which is um, 45 minutes from, from Nelson, um, 35 minutes from the airport without a single traffic light, um, and, um, and right on the beach with looking at the the sunrise across the Richmond range so it's um yeah we feel rather blessed to say the least having lived 16 years on Waiheke um, moved down here four years ago and uh very happy with having made that choice 
yeah very happy um, especially seeing um, Aucklanders go through their lockdown multiple times three three or four to that now so yeah glad to not be up there so one of the things that people have noticed is that like you lots of people really valued the the slowing down the opportunity to to reset and we'll come to the reset but we all rushed back to being busy i um i wondered how that would work you know like um would we just go back to doing the same things that we did and there's a very strong um momentum there in our daily life that 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 yeah that flywheel just like it hadn't really stopped and it got back up to speed pretty darn quickly didn't it yeah yeah i do wonder about that um I, yeah i think that seeing people with less stress on their faces and in their bodies um was uh, how can we maintain this i did i did wonder um yeah don't know that's a tricky one mm, that that idea of a flywheel is an interesting one because talking to people in the uk in particular who have been essentially in lockdown for a year now their flywheel has well and truly stopped and they're over it so, so maybe we need that flywheel too to 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 keep going along to maintain I don't know creativity and energy or something. I, I don't know. I think we 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 often only understand these things um, when in some time in the future when everything's changed and we look back and go, well, that was kind of crazy, wasn't it? But um, we are creatures of habit and we don't like change particularly. It's um, yeah <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah but my um yeah so my my focus went on to thinking about all of the the information flows in our lives you know i mean that well, in fact that was one of the things that i noticed there was some interesting data around that at the beginning of lockdown that people's use of broadband and um, access to the internet spiked significantly right around that lockdown. And, and I certainly, for myself, I ended up doing a lot of research. It's like, what's happening? Like, like tell me what's happening. Yeah. Like, you know, I need to understand this. And, and but then it, it settled pretty quickly, but still, um, the what I've noticed is is that over the years we have we've had this kind of tsunami of of digital information kind of rolling in on us and it's and it's come kind of slowly but it's gained momentum and it's it's rather significant now to the point where I just see lots and lots of people struggling with managing all of this digital information. Where is it? You know, where, where, where is the information that we need right now to inform our current actions? And it's in, and it's in anywhere from, you know, four, five, six to 10 different places that it could possibly be in our digital life. And that's stressful. And so I started thinking about how does how do we manage 
stats and I stumbled across some really interesting stuff around in, in lockdown. I, I started doing some some really good research in, into this and I've discovered that okay um, if we minimize the number of places that we store valuable information and that that sometimes means taking it from other channels you know whether it's whatsapp or facebook or email or some attachment somebody sent or a google drive document somebody shared with you and pull it into one location so there's only one place to go and that one place only has three key locations to store the information but then the information is linked across those places then suddenly it becomes incredibly powerful and incredibly easy to use and incredibly easy to find the information that we need at any given time because it naturally floats to the top by adding a few simple properties to each piece of information as we gather it it's 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 such a relief and i, I had a um I, the real kind of confirmation was a friend in in auckland university um and you may you might relate to this i don't know have you ever um had the opportunity or taken the taken the time to submit a call for a paper for a conference yes okay so let me ask you how long it took you to submit that paper for that conference given that my and my this is my understanding a conference has got a very specific topic and for you to be accepted as a speaker at a conference you have to be able to show that you've got some really unique perspective on some tiny little sliver of 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 yeah uniqueness mm -hmm. about that that already tight topic right mm -hmm. so how long did it take you to, to submit the paper to, to pull well, it all together yeah, it, it takes a long time. Well, it depends on if you've got something that's ready. If you look, if you've got something that you're ready that you know that happens to fit that call for papers, or if you know that that call for papers is going to come out, so you've already got something for it, um, like something I've got maybe overdue already right now. Um, not too long, but if you're doing it from scratch, it takes a long time. And, and what do you mean by long time? Um. Well, it depends on what they're looking for. If they're looking for the whole paper, then 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 weeks. If if they're looking for an abstract, then um, then a few hours. Yeah. Okay. So, my friend at, at Auckland Uni got a, a a notice. It had popped up in his email that there was a call to paper. The deadline was midday. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you raise your eyebrows. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> and he told me that normally it would take him about two weeks. The first week would be freeze, panic, um, <laughs> procrastinate, feel guilty, not know where to start. And then the second week would be like finally kind of, all right, I better get into it and start pulling things together and trying to craft this called paper. Yeah. At 6 a.m. he started. And he described the process to me. It was fabulous. But he'd been using the system that I'd given him um, in November. This and this uh, this happened in February. Okay, so he'd been using the system for I don't know three three months or something. 
And he had to get his wife off to work. He had to feed his kids um, and look after them. And between 6 a.m. and 11.59, he was able to go off, pull all the information that he needed from various sources with all the citations, pull it in all into his system, pull the information that he already had in there together. At 11.59, he submitted the paper. Six hours with cool. interruptions. And that was a real confirmation to me that, yes, a radically simplified approach to information management really does work. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I've got I'm writing a book chapter at the moment and I've got I've got something like fifty tabs open and I'm pulling a whole pile of different stuff together and you're right, it's that 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 freeze because I've just got so much stuff that I don't know where to start. I've got a whole pile of ideas and I've got I've got, I've got the structure of the chapter and there's a roadblock. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I um I think it's time to simplify, really. I mean, we we've so the, the <laughs> I started thinking about it all doing a little research. It's like when did the information age? When did that officially start? Well, People put 1980 as the start because that's when the first transistors became um, available en masse. That's, that's the beginning of the computing age. So the, the digital information age started 1980. That's, that's 41 years ago. It's not very long in the scheme of things, yeah? And when it comes to where does information get stored which again wasn't a problem for the first 20 years because there wasn't much of it, right? But that's not the case now. There is so much of it and there are so many places to store it. But we've been making it up. Like we've just mm -hmm. totally been making it up. Like, oh, well, I'll put it in this folder, in that folder, in that folder, on that hard drive or in that Google Drive or in that OneDrive <laughs> or in Dropbox or in like, you know, like we just make it up. There's no logic to it. And it's a shambles. It's an absolute shambles. So from one source of information, you know, initially maybe email being one source to many sources, it's time to go from the many back to one and pull the information back into one place where we can trust that that's where it is. We can find it there because actually it's, not in folders right it's in it's in databases linked databases every piece of information is simply a record in a linked database so it can be linked to any other any any number of other linked records in other databases within the system suddenly everything it's like building a neural network in the in the brain you know we go to sleep at night and all of that new information which we take on during the day gets gets connected to the existing information in our brain overnight as we sleep have that's mm -hmm. really convenient you know <laughs> in a digital world we have to be specific about that we make specific links but we're, it's the same process we're building these neural pathways in our digital brain I'm going to take the first of your music choices. Let's have 
Francesco Diglio. I think that's how we're going to pronounce that today. The life and soul of the party. Why this one? Um, life and soul of the party. It, it's um, I just can't help. Like I want to get up and dance when I <laughs> when I hear it.
We were talking about information flows in our lives and how the the pandemic gave us the opportunity to reflect on that. And you're talking about how that led you to ideas of simplifying information. I've, I've got a couple of things that, that well, we, we've been dealing with the, the fake news, not just oh. through the pandemic, but, but the pandemic has perhaps amplified it. But also, you, you said the information needed right now. I spent a lot of time during the pandemic looking at the the global statistics, the the um, John Hopkins data yep. um, portal, and yep. the Financial Times did a really good summary as well. And I really liked how they they pulled it together and, and simplified it down uh, to that. But I didn't actually need to know that. I didn't need to know that to get on with my job and my life. But maybe I did. Uh, what's your take on on that that? Why we were so hungry for that level of information? Oh no! I just, there was there was an extreme level of uncertainty, like extreme. Uh, there was so much uncertainty in that moment where it was like we're locking down for four weeks, like, and what are the consequences? We didn't know. We didn't know whether it was going to go longer. We didn't know. We had no idea. There's such a high level. I, so my response to all of that was that, hey, where's the data for New Zealand? And I couldn't find it. I literally, like I went on to the Ministry of Health website and there were some very rough tables of information in there regarding numbers. I went, okay, all right. They didn't even have, they didn't have dates, locations or something. I ended up trawling through the news websites to be able to figure out, to, yeah, to put dates against these numbers. And because I've been doing a lot of data analysis, I started up a, a um, some analysis on the New Zealand situation. I got a friend in Dunedin, actually, John Foote, um, to help me out. And we ended up developing something that became quite um uh, quite popular as a source of, of information. I, maybe you saw it at some point um, mm. for the New Zealand scene. And yeah, but it was, yeah, it was just that we knew. So yes, you didn't need that information, Sam, but you wanted it. <laughs> right? and, that, and that's, you know, I mean, need want or, you know, kind of interesting things to play with. But. <laughs> there was lot, there were lots of calls for certainty when, are the, when is the border going to be open? When is we going to get the bubble? We're still hearing those sorts of things. When are we going to get the trans-Tasman bubble? As if certainty is possible. sensible or even possible in a, in a dynamic situation like this. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's just, um, that's who we are. That's that's the human impulse, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Can, we, can yeah. we present information in a way that is certain but still has those that dynamic aspects to it is could we tell the story better that it is we are certain we'll open the borders when we get to this situation so people are saying yeah. is it going to be open on june the 14th yes or no i'm missing mm, the point mm, mm. yeah no that that's that's a fair um that's a fair approach um what are the conditions under which this will happen um, and then then start looking at well what what possibilities are there for having those conditions be met and maybe then finding some creative way to meet them which is 
Um, there's a, there's a, there was a beautiful uh, a book, a lovely book, <laughs> called A Beautiful Constraint, which I read years ago, and it referred to the creative impulse being magnified when you apply constraints. Um, I first came across that when I was working with uh, the Natural Step, uh, a sustainability model out of Sweden, where they, you know, they have very clear constraints. You can do whatever you like creatively within those constraints, but you can't go outside them. That's it. End of story. And people get very creative within that, and that was one of the things that I wanted to do with the 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 information management system was constrain it to you only have, have three places to store your information ooh, ooh, okay um now we're gonna have to get really creative so that we don't just have three massive buckets of information where you can't find anything okay all right how do you do that well actually if you put them in a database then each record in the database can have properties such as a follow-up date or a status and it can be linked to other records in the in a, in another database within the system. Suddenly, things start floating to the top. So that that idea of of what's important and relevant surfacing naturally. If you think about your information, it's like a giant iceberg. You know, it's this massive thing, and it's growing and growing and growing. But the only bit that's relevant right now is the tiniest little bit at the tip of the iceberg. All the rest of it, you can't give it your attention. Your, your brain can't do that anyway. <laughs> there is only a tiny bit of all of the information which you have acquired that is relevant right now. So how do you design a system that makes sure that what is relevant right now is floating naturally to the top? Good challenge. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orakudui, Dunedin's favorite goddess, I hope you're going to be staying stars of the life of the universe. Really hope that you are whatever's happening journey that we're all together is going to be very sustaining for you more and more each day. You are of nature's art here making So as we know we're all having a very interesting time together. Thank goddess and gods and thank the universe that we all physically manifested at the same time so we can have a wonderful co-evolution adventure together and of course here we are in the midst of a global pandemic i've been so honored to speak with you throughout this time and it's helped me enormously these five minutes with you reframing my experience what a help can be a helpful series of we sharings for you so at the moment, as we know, up in Tamaki Makoda in Auckland, they are in level three. And here in Aotearoa, Dunedin, we are in level two. The rest of Aotearoa, New Zealand, in level two. And obviously, this is an ongoing series of learnings for us all as we have to make these shifts and changes in our daily life. And for many of us, this can be quite challenging and so it's so important that we are compassionate to ourselves and each other in this time and find ways to really reconnect with that stillness within that is always available to us, that inner sanctuary and allow ourselves to move through all these different states of emotion without fear and when fear arises to acknowledge it and be compassionate towards that part of ourselves that you fall, allow that part of ourselves that is come into the room be cared for 
rather than shut out. And I know that for all of us, we have been societally only comfortably experienced some emotions, but at these times, it's an opportunity for us really to embrace all our emotional states and know that we will be able to move through them and they will arise and then subside. And I've had a really interesting time over the last few while because of course, I've had all this annual leave that I've had to take from my heart's home workplace, Orokanui Eco Sanctuary, because I'm so obsessed with my job that I hadn't taken annual leave for a long time. So I've been taking all this annual leave and really reconnecting with the Womanshin and myself. And I have still been going up to Orokanui, of course, but I've really enjoyed having this time in my home. And so for me, it's been a little bit like, not the same intensity, of course, but it has been a little bit like reacquainting myself with those feelings that I enjoy during lockdown, really loving and appreciating my home space. So I hope that for all of you, you have had the opportunity to find ways to really nurture and nourish yourself at this time so that you're feeling grounded and you're feeling immersed in your own universe, quite apart from the intensity of consensus reality that is involving all of us this time. So I've been really enjoying transforming my garden and I had a lovely time this evening in the garden with my nine beautiful hay hay, my nine beautiful hen, and feeding them some mealworms, which they really enjoyed, which was very nice. And just watching the trees and the wind and the wind and watching all the birds flying so high up in the sky. And actually saw quite a few unexpected birds, like a big black pack gull flew over, which I hadn't seen before. And just being able to take this time to really be present and appreciate that like the clouds that were forming and changing shape in the sky, of course our feelings come up and we can draw meaning from them and then they change and we can draw meaning from you know, that, that next evolution of feeling that comes along. So I really hope that for you, you're drawing some really helpful meanings from what you're feeling at the moment and I look forward to talking to you. Thanks so you're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with James Samuel. James, you're talking about, or in passing there, you talked about natural staff and sustainability models. What do you think we can take from the pandemic and the pandemic response for the bigger questions that we face, the bigger challenges, the the sorts of things that can't be solved by us staying at home and watching the TV for, for four weeks, the climate change, intergenerational social injustice, if those things were easy to fix by staying at home, we would have done them. But can we learn anything? Oh, my goodness. That's a really big question, Sam. Um, I mean, I, we kind of thought that maybe we would because um, it seemed as though there was some very clear evidence that rivers were cleaning up, air was becoming cleaner in some parts of the world. Um, certainly noise pollution was down. Um, <laughs> We seem to be driven as a society, and I can't quite figure why this is, but we're driven to constantly pursue and constantly grow and expand and seek new frontiers. And um, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I was reading something this morning about what science fiction tells us, and um, there was a statement that, that suggested that life on this planet will come to an end. It's just a matter of when, not if. Um, and therefore, our 
future lies in populating other planets, which is you know, a reasonably um, common idea nowadays and, and, and being acted upon, maybe that's just our journey. I mean, we, um, <laughs> you know, if we, if we don't take ourselves so seriously and think of ourselves more like um, um, bacteria in a Petri dish, you know, we will we will grow and grow and grow until we can't grow anymore and we'll die back. And, you know, maybe some of us will jump out of that Petri dish and mm. find ourselves in another one. I, <laughs> but if you think yeah. about the if you think about the living on Mars, say, if you think of the worst place to possibly live in on Earth, <laughs> Mars is way worse. So why wouldn't you save this one? I mean, Susan Crumdike oh. talks about the green myth that there's this miracle technology just around the corner. Is the, is the notion of there being another planet just a green myth on steroids? Mm, um, possibly, I don't know. I, but going back to this idea of like not taking ourselves too seriously and just recognizing that we're biological um, entities en masse yeah. that have made a, a massive impact upon the biosphere that we find ourselves existing in, then I would suggest that, that the whole um the the whole biosphere as we see it will go through cycles and we came out of this what would be toxic to us soup of of you know the original creation you know i would not be at all surprised if given a few more millennia it goes back to something like that and then out of that something else evolves it's like I, yeah I mean, look, I'm a great fan of, of, of um, honoring and protecting the beauty that we have. And will we? I don't know. I'm not sure. Can't, it's, um, it, it's highly unpredictable, <laughs> highly uncertain. So over the, the last year, I used to have to say the last few months, but now it's the last year, we've seen lots of changes in society. What do you think will stick and what do you hope will stick? Hmm. Um, um, greater tolerance, um, greater acceptance of, of, uh, of differences, um, of a biological equality between humans and, and um, both at a gender level and a, and a, um, and a race level. Um, I hope those things stick. That would be, that would be good to, um, yeah. Um, politically, uh, I don't know. I don't know where we are. Um, I I hope that some of the, some of the waking up that appears to be happening in some quarters, and and, and even then, I, I'm not a I'm not a political junkie, so I don't I don't really know a, across. Broad spectrum of geopolitics uh, um, and and individual country politics, whether things are changing or have changed in a positive way. Um, I, yeah, don't know, Sam. That's probably talking way out of way out of my field. Did the "be kind" message resonate with you? Ah, oh, that that was phenomenal. That was absolutely phenomenal. What leader ever said? be kind and had that as a as as a as a call a clarion call to the population to the team of five million i mean <laughs> whoever 
whoever said that as a leader, political leader, that was phenomenal. Uh, nothing, nothing but respect and, and praise and gratitude for that brave leadership. Yeah, personally. And, and much like the response to the mosque attacks, it came out pretty fast. That wasn't the result of a focus group trying to decide what the best words are. That that's that came down to values. That's that's this is if we're making a decision, we're basing basing it on these values, and this is this is the stuff. So that's. That's that's not a cynical manipulation. That's t- taking it back to those principles. And 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 did it did it did it have an impact? Damn right, it had an impact. You know, it it was something that was um, felt, and it was it was it it created a level of expectation. Yeah, that was the that was the expectation of our society. That was that was pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's time to grow up. Goodness me, you know, I mean, politics in general is a pretty sad state of affairs of of attacking one another's points of view and so forth. I mean, it's, yeah, it it's pretty immature, generally speaking. It was refreshing, pretty refreshing. I heard on the radio this morning, I heard someone say, New Zealand Inc. Oh, ooh. I thought we'd get, I thought we were past that. I thought we were a, a, a team, a kind team by now. What did the be kind message mean for you? People are talking about the the be kind to others, but there's also be kind to the environment and to to self. How did you take it? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Actually, I um, I did. Huh. I I don't know if I've if I related it to myself but i have noticed that i've been more kind to myself more gentle more patient um more trusting that just keep doing what you believe is the right thing to do and time will 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 let it time will work it out time will will show whether it was the right thing or not i can only i i I trust it now um time will tell but i but yeah, kind to myself, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't really um, connected it to that as a societal impulse or call, but um, could very well be. Mm. Mm. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have a Bears Den, Agape. Why this one? Just a sucker for a good love song. <laughs> Let it go But I 
Mochawaker, how's Mochawaker doing? Yeah, there's a few empty shops. Um, not, um, but on the other hand, um, it's it's starting to draw more people. Uh, it's a great location. Don't want to talk too loudly about it. Might attract too many people. <laughs> I quite like the way it is. <laughs> um, yeah. It was funny, about four years ago, there was uh, quite a number of families, many of whom we knew, that um, that left Waiheke and moved to Motueka. We called it the, the Great Waiheke Migration. <laughs> and um, it's, yeah, it's a, it, it, one of the things that I loved about it when I first got there was people had time for it. People had time for a conversation. I mean, really, it was that, it, it was so starkly in contrast even to Waiheke Island you know which is slower than Auckland um, but to notice it so profoundly was um, it was it was really refreshing it was really delightful yeah it's a slower pace I like it have you seen any positive things coming from the pandemic in terms of the community has it brought the community together in ways you hadn't expected um no, I, I don't know really, Sam, to be honest. I, I, I think, um, I mean, there was a bit of, um, during lockdown, probably did. Yeah, there was a, there was a bit of um, definitely some thoughtful looking out for one another kind of um, impulses rising. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, there was a, a, a bit of um, expansion in the local food scene and the, the um, one of the local organic growers up the valley went from it was ten or twelve boxes a week that they were delivering. The rest were being sold through the markets. 
um, to 130 boxes a week <laughs> in two weeks. Um, yeah, that was, that was, that was quite significant. Um, so yeah, people started, definitely started looking out for what's, what are the local food sources, which that's a great thing. I think that's a, that's a super healthy thing. If, um, if some of that rolls on and, and continues into the future, people's awareness around where their food is coming from, I think, um, that's, that would be great. Um, can't speak really for, for others on that one, but maybe that's something that can come from the disruption then is that the disruption leads to some sort of step change in those sorts of things because they might have otherwise grown at you know in a couple of extra boxes every every few months but if they're going to go with for to such big numbers even if it comes down from that it's still a significant change isn't it mm. Mm. oh yeah for sure i mean people realizing oh i can have this fresh organic produce delivered to my gate like that's that's fantastic and yeah and and it was uh yeah, I felt we've. I felt really nurtured by it. You know, I felt receiving that box of food every week was um, was something special. It was mm. like, oh, I, you know, you you grew that. You know, you grew <laughs> that. You harvested it. You put it in that box, and you came to my gate and gave it to me. That's um, that was a really lovely, lovely connection. Yeah, absolutely. So I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Huh. Um, I, I think this, this piece of work that I'm, that I'm focused on now, this, this a, a whole radically simplified approach to information management, that's been the biggest success for me. I'm, I'm feeling not in a hurry um, to, to, to get out and market it and make it grow and, you know, become the next great big thing. But um, every time somebody takes it on, they come back with such positive and and consistent through time feedback that tells me, yep, I'm on to something. Yep, that's the biggest success. So we are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in the team. What's the superpower that's got you into the mansion? <laughs> um, my superpower is is all about connections. Um, and I used to think it was just about connections with people, like networking and, and um, connecting people, doing good stuff. Um, I think I've come to see that it also applies to information, connecting information in a way that somehow um, mimics our human brain. And yeah, I think that's the superpower. So do you consider yourself to be an activist? Um, I, um, I remember, um, reading a great little quote some time back, which says, um, if you're not on a list somewhere, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> and I, I'm fairly sure I'm on a, I'm fairly sure I'm on an activist list <laughs> or, or two <laughs> and, and proud of it. <laughs> I got a rude awakening when I tried to fly into Israel. I discovered that I was on those lists. <laughs> But maybe that's a good maybe that's a good thing. So, what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? <laughs> um, creating something that I can pass on to my daughter. I, I had a um, I had my first and only child late in life, and 
I think I'm probably at a stage in life that I would that mo most people would be at in their thirties, um, <laughs> feeling like yeah they want to 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 create something of value for for the next generation. The climate strikes last year were pretty impressive. They seem to be they seem to be in the right space. Um, climate strikes. Are you you referring to um, the school strikes for climate? Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're they're awareness raising. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is a you know it's a good first step. Um, I I'll be honest, I am not a great fan of striking um, and and protesting because I think what it does is it 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 reinforces an assumption that the power is elsewhere and that the mm -hmm. Uh, the root of change has to come from elsewhere. Um, yeah. 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 And, and it, it's like, what do we want? Brr! What do we want now? What do we want? Brr! When do we want it now? You know, it's like that's pointing to somebody else and saying, you're responsible for changing it. We don't like what we don't like the rules you're making. You need to change them. Well, hang on a second. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're the minority we're the majority can we not just change the rules and that's one of the things that, that I, I'm quite excited about with the rise of, of cryptocurrency which is um, definitely on the on the up and um, you know it's been around for what 14 years now the the, the uh, Bitcoin it's uh, hasn't been hacked in 14 years that's it's a mighty big prize for anybody who could I reckon pretty well tested now to start to facilitate a different level of, of value exchange, more direct between people, um, more, um, more fluid and, and um, yeah, micro transactions between people who offer value to one another across distance and so forth without intermediaries and that's that, i think that has some potentially interesting flow-on effects mm. especially for people a long way away from everybody else like we are what is the oh. biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or so i haven't thought about challenges that i look forward to oh i suppose um yeah, perhaps um, growing into um, greater skills um, around putting myself out there as somebody who has something of value to offer to people and being confident about that. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a very personal um, a personal challenge. I, I'm I'm a um, I'm an introvert at heart, and um, yeah, a connected introvert. I connect. I am. I am. I. They. Funnily enough, that's exactly what I am. Mm. So, lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Um, be brave and um, and try new things, and don't assume that the way it is is the way it has to be. Yeah. Try try things out. It's um, the world is changing around us, as we are well aware of. Um, what changes do we personally want to instigate rather than waiting for other people to come up with solutions and changes that that we align with and feel good about what changes do you want to make that sounds very good advice to me thank you very much for joining me you're most welcome sam it's always a pleasure 
You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio, weekday afternoons, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 3, and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We've had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. And continuing our summer theme of summary outros, this is They Might Be Giants, The Summer Breeze. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I have been joined today by James Samuel from Mochueka. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. So if you hear a radio, you had best beware. Be sure there's not a car around, cause the legend still remains. There's a car without a handle, and that car is still at large. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.